0: episode is non-commercial fair use creative commons license welcome back to episode 208 of the alpha male buddhist from brooklyn podcast i'm your host miguel today we're going to listen to a talk by a speaker that i've had on the show before actually in episode 65 and that speaker is mark passio And the title of the talk is The Master Key to the Universe. I know it sounds a little woo-woo, but this talk is real deep. And it's actually really good for people at different levels. Like if you're kind of new to this kind of content, it kind of breaks you in and initiates you into this knowledge. And even if you have a lot of knowledge, it kind of reinforces it. And I'm sure you'll learn a few things that you haven't heard before. So the one thing I do like about Mark Passio, again, with as with all speakers, I don't necessarily agree with everything that he teaches, but I will say that Mark Passio is the real deal. He's very good and you will definitely grow in your path, you know, by listening to Mark. So now you might hear me go over some of the same points in a lot of my uh, episodes and I'll Not necessarily repetitive, but I kind of cover some content that you've heard before. But it's important to understand that not everyone listening to these episodes have been long-time listeners or, you know, a lot of them may be new listeners and they've never heard these points before. And they're important to understand because these topics are kind of complex and multi-level so that the better prepared you are, And open-minded you are listening to this, the more you're going to absorb from these teachings and from these episodes and from these speakers that I have on, whether it be myself or someone else. So that's a big um, point, important point to follow, is that you have to engage with this information and with these talks so that you can have a real realization of what is being, you know, put forth for you to learn, you know, and for you to continue on your path. So let's get into it. The etymology of the word religion is the Latin word religare, which means to bind or control. Now, if you belong to a church and you benefit from the teachings of the church, that's great. Just make sure that the money you contribute to your church does not go into the preacher's uh, budget fund to buy a new Learjet jet plane or property in the Cayman Islands. In other words don't drink the Kool-Aid. I myself do not attend organized churches, but that that's just me, and that's just how I roll in my life and, and the way things have unfolded for me. But I definitely do have a one-on-one relationship with, with my Creator, and that's Yeshua HaMashiach, or Jesus Christ. Yeshua HaMashiach is how you pronounce His name in Aramaic, which is the language Jesus Christ and people in that region spoke at that time. So again, what I strive to do is I strive to have a one-on-one vertical up-and-down relationship between myself and my creator. And that way there's no interference. There's For you audiophiles out there, it's all signal and no noise, no static, you know. So that that's me, that's how I view it, and that's what works for me. Also, if you find value listening to this show, please tell your friends about it. Give me a five-star review wherever you can, whether it's on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. I know that some platforms allow you to do reviews. Not to complain, but I'm really heavily shadow banned. There are times that I go to post something on Instagram, like just a picture or whatever, and it won't even upload. And then sometimes it does. I I can no longer ever post to hashtags so i can't really promote the show that way and uh you know you listeners if that's something that you can put upon yourself you know you can do that's great and but for me i can't so so whatever support you listeners can provide is really greatly appreciated and i've pretty much figured out why i'm so (laughs) shadow. it's not even funny i don't know i'm laughing but I could pretty much figure out why I'm shadowbanned is because a lot of content out there is doom and gloom or people talking about the 8th level of the ninth alien invasion. Stuff that, I mean, you know, could be entertaining to listen to, like that Art Bell type stuff, but or, you know, Homunculus or something like that. You know, it's cool, it's entertaining sometimes to listen to, but they'll let that slip right through, you know, because it's not affecting any change in reality. You're off in some kind of munchkin, uh, pumpkin field or something, but I strive to provide content that's uplifting and that can affect change in listeners' lives. You know, when they listen to it, they can get something out of it and it's going to really benefit them. And that's something that's a big no-no. They do not want that. You know, you can put all the doom and gloom and fear and, you know, tarot card reading and all that stuff. And, uh, Gnostic teachings and, you know, you know, dark teaching, satanic stuff. That they love that. But don't don't put on any, you know, teaching that's gonna help people. I, I call it pissed on breadcrumbs. You know, they put stuff out there so that you follow it and then it just leads you to the land of the lost, for lack of a better word. You know, where you're out there with all the sheeple and just um, pooping in your little three square foot box in your little cage in your FEMA camp cage and and that's basically what it is and you know people think it's funny but that's pretty much where we're heading to so and I know just by talking about this like I've spoken to a few people that know about podcasting and such and social media and they tell me to just you know cool off a little bit or just kind of lighten up on the topic but you know I can't you know this is something that I'm held responsible to for for my own karma for my own consciousness and for my like when my time comes and my creator says to me, you know, opens up the book and says, well, Miguel, you know, look at, you know, whatever. And I'm going to say, look, look at what I did over here. Look at what I did over here. And, you know, some of the emails that I get really touch me, man, because it's it's people really, and again, I don't know why it is, but a lot of people that are on drugs and such and really in a dark path, man, they, they, they said that, you know, I kind of affect change in their lives and, you know, and their lives are improving because they're aware of, all of these tactics and these schemes and this mind control that they're putting on us. So it's, it's really important, man. And it's important for this message to get out. So now the one thing that you do want to be aware of as you listen to this talk, because it's about an hour, a little less than an hour, but it's real dense. So two terms that you want to familiarize yourself with, and that is the exoteric and the esoteric. The exoteric are teachings that are presented to the profane, a.k.a. the stupid. Basically, the word profane are dummies. And the exoteric teachings are directed towards the profane just so that you could see on the surface or on the skin of reality. And there's no real substance there. Again, just pissed on breadcrumbs. You know what I mean? Like, they're describing a book to you, and what they tell you is, well it's square shaped rectangular it has a leather binding with gold leaf edges on it and it is you know 14 inches by two inches thick and it sits on a bookcase and it has pages on it and it has 500 pages on it and you can you know, can be read and that's what it has, but they're not giving you any substance of what the book is. It could be the Encyclopedia Britannica or, you know, the secret teachings of whoever. And who knows? Because again, they just want to give you the exoteric teaching to keep you profane, to keep you stupid. And and that's what they tell you, but they that, that's all they want you to see. You know, they don't want you to see any deeper than the, the leather binding of the book cover. And Again, there's the reason for that is they want to do anything possible to keep you away from understanding what your true purpose in life is, you know, and that purpose is to realize the true self, you know, and I say realize the true self and some people hear that and say, oh, realize, no, there's a lot to that. There's really a lot to that because there's so much, uh, so much false teachings that they're They're putting before us and just tricking us, you know, through symbology, through false allegory, through sacred geometry, symbolism. You know, when I say symbolism, and I referred to it back on one of my prior episodes, like, what does Miguel mean by symbolism? Let's say, let's use Louis Vuitton or Gucci, like that LV symbol or whatever. There are people that will kill other people they'll commit crimes they'll do whatever just to get that symbol to get that logo to get that symbology on them because when the minute you see that symbol that lv you associate that with success with richness and with a person that you know is really a high level person not that there's high and low level people but i mean a person that is trying to promote their own self-image from the external or from the exoteric, from the outside. Meanwhile, there's no substance within it. I've heard somebody say the other day that you can have two people. You might, and he said, um, you can have two people. You can have one person with a $5,000 bag and it's empty inside or another person walking around with a cheap canvas bag that they got from the dollar store with the $5000 inside that bag. So that's two different ways of looking at the same you know, the same illustration. So it's important to have an understanding of these things. It's very very important to find out what your purpose in life is because without it you have no path man. You you're nowhere basically. You're just living day to day moment to moment and you subject yourself to enslavement mental enslavement you know purpose is the type of thing where let's say you had a bad day you lost your job and just everything is turning the wrong way for you but you do have a purpose and that purpose is to either improve your family to work really your purpose should be to improve your skills whether whether computer skills or and i will say it again these days to learn masonry carpentry auto mechanic airplane mechanic i know airplane mechanics they make big money you know and that's like an 18 month course and a lot of people they learn that they get that certification in the military i think in the air force it's called a and p license i don't know exactly what that stands for but i know it's like the power plant like the engine of the plane and the body of the plane itself so people especially young people man get out there. and if you're older too whatever you, you you're never too old to learn learn trades and learn skills, learn, you know, to work some computer stuff. Again, I'll mention it again, and it's something that I've really trained myself on and learned a lot, self-taught, not in college, just through books. But SQL, uh, which uh, is structured query language, any type of database that you see, it's all SQL, SQL statements, you know. And uh, Microsoft Access is big on that, so if you want to kind of, you know, sit up, Uh, at your desk at night and just be in your own university, man, just however you're going to get it, Microsoft Access, you know, and get into it and, you know, develop a table and a form and reports and queries and such. And it kind of goes from there. There's so much good content on YouTube that you can teach yourself. So, again, this is something you want to build yourself up with. And another thing, you know, not everybody can mess with the Access and the SQL. It kind of, their brain uh, doesn't really completely wrap around it, which is totally cool. Get into Excel, get into Word, get into, you know, different uh, aspects of um, networking. The only thing I'm not really crazy about the networking and the security aspect of it is that stuff changes like from year to year. You know, there's all different kinds of certifications and classes that you have to take and tests that you have to pass. So when it comes down to raw data and SQL and stuff like that and databases, that's something that never changes. So again, for those of you who are, inclined and like messing with computers it's you have the whole universe right on your desktop right there you can sit there and uh write programs and code and everything like that develop it from a table into a form into a query into a screen you know and you go from there again youtube is is an excellent university to learn all of these skills even if it's auto mechanics whatever it might be but get engaged man with your life don't just be passive and Sit on social media, and you know, eating the Cheetos uh, on the beanbag in your own urine, if you know what I mean. Get engaged and improve your life. affect change in your own life. This is this, these are the steps that you have to take. Yeah, watch some motivational videos. There's a lot of good stuff on YouTube that will kind of get you super charged up. You know, David Goggins and some of these guys. You know, some of some of the uh, motivational speakers that you see online. They'll get you really charged up, and and what ultimately ends up happening the goal for this is to have find what your purpose in life is right again this matrix system the last thing that they want is for you to find what your purpose in life is they just want you following the pissed on breadcrumbs to the cattle farm where you are reduced to just the state of being a sheeple in a FEMA camp really sitting in a beanbag of your own urine Eating, uh, not even Cheetos, eating like wood chips because, you know, forget forget Cheetos, you, you know. Anyway, I don't want to get too dark on this. I want to keep it positive. But let's give this Mark Passio a good listen and uh, praise Jesus' name. Thank
1: you for listening. This is an initiation into really, really deep esoteric material that has been hidden from humanity for millennia. Why is this knowledge hidden away from people? to what ends. The knowledge of the occult is not commonly known. That's why it's not the exoteric. It's not given to the masses. It's the esoteric. It is reserved for the few. And there's a reason for that. It's been deliberately hidden away and kept from the general public in order to create and maintain a power differential. Because if someone else is an extreme level of knowledge, they know how something works. Like, something as trivial as how human consciousness works, how human motivations work, how human perceptions work, how human beings can be manipulated. Somebody has deep knowledge of that information and there's a whole bunch of people who have not one iota of how that works. What kind of a number do you think somebody can do on people like that? From my years of being inside occult traditions that are very, very dark. I'm telling you, this is what they don't want you to know. So what this presentation constitutes is a master key that unlocks all the locks to all the doors on all the cages. This presentation is called Natural Law, the real law of attraction and how to apply it in your life. And I emphasize that term, real law of attraction. Many people will be familiar with the New Age variants of the so-called law or laws of attraction. And this is going to differ quite widely from what people have heard in the New Age community and in the New Age movement regarding what the law or laws of attraction are. These are the real laws of attraction you're going to be hearing today and hopefully understanding today. Human beings should consider with great care where their information comes from, the source for the information. And this is because by refusing to present certain information and by influencing people to dismiss, to dissuade them from looking into certain information because they're telling you that it's unimportant or unnecessary to consider, many modern institutions like media, like so-called education uh, institutions, are seeking to actually control human perceptions, or let's call it outright what it really is, to control the mind, okay? And therefore, to limit what human beings may even come to understand, and therefore by limiting what they are coming to understand, they're actually limiting what they're able to do, what they're able to change, what they're able to create, in the world, okay? So, you have to be skeptical of where your information comes from, and that's why I tell people at the very beginning in my lectures, do not believe me. The worst thing you could do is believe what I'm telling you. You need to look into it for yourself, and most of all, you need to do personal introspection to really feel inside of yourself whether this information resonates with truth. Everybody has that intuitive capacity. That also has to be turned on and and engaged and used. Human beings everywhere say that they want certain things in their life. And they say that they want certain things to be present for all humanity, okay? We say we want certain conditions to be present for ourselves and our species as a whole. And and we we say we want things such as happiness, health, peace, prosperity, freedom, etc. And all these things are great things to aspire to. And we say we want them. Most people will say and tell you we want these things. However, you know, I don't really feel that they're truly being honest with themselves, okay? They'll say they want them, but then when you tell them, well, those aren't automatic conditions. They don't just magically manifest, okay? There are requirements for obtaining these conditions, okay? and. People wouldn't say they want these conditions if these conditions were already omnipresent, right? They're saying that they want something because they don't have it at all or at least in fullness, right? So when you tell them there's requirements and they believe that somehow they're gonna magically get these things, right? Well, this is what the real laws of attraction are about. It's explaining conditions that you want don't just automatically manifest by thinking of them or just having a feeling about them. This is a new age deception. Requirement exists in nature. It does exist. If you want something to be different than the way that it already is, than the default conditions, then requirement exists. If you're okay with things being the way that they are now, requirement doesn't exist. There are no requirements to creating change. You just accept the default conditions the way they are now and go on with your existence and accept it's going to be this way and possibly get worse. But if you want real change to happen, requirements exist. So what are these requirements? We need to know certain things. Knowledge is required. Knowledge. The information regarding natural law is occulted knowledge. It is knowledge that has been hidden from humanity. Okay? It has been, it's held by the few, which which is represented here at the top of this pyramid. You can look at this as a pyramid representing knowledge or ignorance. At the top of the pyramid, you have knowledge. It's the, the highest, higher you go in the pyramid, the more knowledge, okay? But the pyramid tapers because at the top, very few people understand that information. Very few, few people have that knowledge and have actually integrated it into themselves to the, to the point where it becomes understanding, all right? Down here, you have no knowledge, the ignorant masses, okay? and And up here, you have the people who are in the know, right, who have this knowledge about how natural law works and are actually using it for a certain reason. So please, as you go through this, seminar, please keep in mind, if I ever use the term occult, all I'm talking about here is hidden knowledge. That's what it means, occulted knowledge is hidden. The knowledge of natural law and its operations constitutes what I call the most deeply occulted or hidden information that exists on this planet. You will not find any more hidden information. This is the thing that all the distractions are there for, to keep you from learning. The endless trivialities, the nonsense you hear on the news, all the video games, all of the nonsense television, the sports, you know, it's all there to keep people from understanding this. And I can't get you to accept that or believe it, and I don't ask you to believe it. I'm telling you that's what they're trying to, from my years of being inside occult traditions that are very, very dark, I'm telling you this is what they don't want you to know. Please recognize when I use the word truth, that is all I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the mind of God. I'm not talking about the entire reason for the existence of the universe. I'm talking about the events that have taken place in the past and are taking place in the present. That's all. And guess what? That's all the truth is. We want things to be true. That doesn't make it so. That's not what makes truth the way that it is. What makes truth is the way that it is, is what behaviors were taken and what is the actual effect in the manifested world. That's how things are. It doesn't matter how we want them to be, they may be a completely different way right now than we want them to be, but most people in the world, they kind of believe that they're the arbiter of truth. And that's a bad place to be in, that's a very, very low level of consciousness, to think that, I don't believe that it's this way. It's not this way. Many people are trapped in that state of mind. The laws of the universe don't care about you. Laws have been created in this realm that work flawlessly. 100% of the time, flawlessly. The creator of the universe set these laws into motion, put them into effect, and they bind you. You and I are bound by these laws, whether we like it or not, whether we accept it or not, whether we understand it or not, they're in effect and you are already creating the reality that we are experiencing based upon interaction with these unseen laws, already. You're already doing it. You can never not be doing it. That's an impossibility. Let's look at the dynamics between discovery and belief, the difference between discovery and belief, because again, Natural law is capable of being discovered, understood, and harmonized with. What this is, is saying this exists. You're bound by it. The best you can do is to understand its operation like you would understand gravity and therefore not just walk toward the edge of a 200-foot cliff that is bottomed by jagged rocks. If you're intelligent, and you understand how the law of gravity works, you won't do that behavior. So, natural law has nothing to do with religion. It's not a belief system. It's a science. It is a discoverable operation that is already in effect that we can either understand and align our behavior to or remain ignorant of and suffer as a result of that ignorance because it's already in effect and already has a uh, binding effect upon you and your behaviors, and everyone's. So, when it comes to belief, and anybody that was trying to propagate a religion wouldn't put this slide up here. When it comes to natural law, it, is, it works just like gravity. So, the clown that's gonna jump over the cliff saying I don't believe in gravity, what's gonna happen? Down he goes. Because belief is irrelevant. Because natural law does not care about you. It does not care about you. It is in effect, no matter what you do, deal with it. So let's look at consciousness and the human brain. Okay? Because consciousness is an intangible force. Okay? It's something that exists, but you can't really see it many people even have a hard time explaining what it is but there is physiological expressions for consciousness in in the physical domain and the brain is one of them and of course people will say well don't leave out the heart of course the heart is also very important heart has an even bigger electromagnetic field than the brain and is tied into the physiology in an even more complex way than the brain is but We need to understand the basic structure of the brain to understand the types of imbalances that go on within it that lead to these debilitating conditions within humanity that continue to create suffering for us. And also what these belief systems do is they prevent the activation of the heart and the actions of care and action. Not only do they prevent knowledge from real knowledge from manifesting within the being, they prevent care and they create apathy, and they they, uh, create inaction and um, cowardice so that we don't actually act and take action based upon what we've come to know. So let's look at how the brain and consciousness actually work. People will also try to give ridiculously overcomplicated and mystified definitions of what consciousness means, and many people are even scared of the term, okay? We have to demystify these terms and bring them down to real simple English and real simple concepts that the average person can grasp. Okay, And stop trying to make it more complicated than it is. Being conscious of something, meaning having consciousness of it, is an ability of the being to recognize patterns. Remember, this is all about pattern recognition. To recognize patterns and meaning with respect to events that are taking place, or have taken place, okay, both within oneself, okay, in the inner realm, in the, the lesser realm, the realm of the individuated consciousness, and in the realm in which the self exists and operates, the macrocosm. So it's our ability to accurately perceive truth of what has happened and what is happening. That's consciousness. That's consciousness. And it's, it's made way overly complicated by people. It's mostly made overly complicated in the New Age movement, again. Now how does consciousness express? There's a difference between what it is and how it expresses in our life. Consciousness expresses. I ask people, just tell me, what are the ways you could ever make yourself known to any other being? How can any other being come to know who you are in this incarnation, in this physical manifestation? How could they possibly come to know you? How could you manifest yourself or make yourself known to them? And there's only three ways, thoughts, emotions, and actions, okay? And I would say speech falls into the line of the combination of thoughts and emotions. And speech is also a form of action. I'm using force to, you know, make the air flow over my vocal cords to make sounds come out so that you can hear my, vo- what, the concepts I'm trying to express. So it is a form of action. And it derives from what we have thought up to this point and the emotions that we have and we could express it through speech. So thought, emotion, and action. Thought you have to look at as the creative force that is the expression for consciousness within the individual. Okay? So it's a neutral force. You don't look at your thoughts as masculine or feminine, do you? But you do look at them as creative forces. In order for anything to manifest in the physical domain, it had to first exist as a thought. This computer, somebody had to envision all the parts, how it works, how it's put together. Okay. This camera equipment, the clothes you're wearing, the seats, everything that exists had to first exist in the realm of thought. had to, by law. Then it comes into physical manifestation through action. Your emotions are a polarized component you could look at it as. It is a feminine feminine aspect of consciousness because other people don't feel your emotions. They could perceive or sense them. You're the one who's feeling the emotions in your physiology. It's an internal expression. You feel emotions inwardly inside in the physiology. Hence, this is a feminine expression for consciousness. It is something that is not externalized and put out. It is something that is felt within. So the emotions in the mind-body-spirit connection are the spirit in which we do something. Okay, so that's the feminine force or the spirit. Of course, thoughts are within our mind, hence that's the mind uh, component of the consciousness then there's a marriage between them. Okay, so you could look at thoughts as the creative essence which then blends with or marries to the feminine. Now see, we're getting into a notion that is taught in all many different religious traditions. It's called the Trinity. And I challenge anybody, go and look in any of the trinities that exist, in any of the religions. You can go back to Babylon you can go to the Indus Valley traditions, you can go to the Egyptian and Comitian traditions, the Christian traditions. Every single religious tradition that is talked of a trinity, okay, it is always a father creator, a sacred feminine figure, okay, of some kind that the father then work, uh, impregnates or um, inseminates in some form, and then, From that offspring is born a male child, always, okay? What we're talking about here is the father being the mind, the creative essence, then the spirit or the emotions being the sacred feminine essence, okay? Or the Holy Spirit, the emotions, and then the child, the male child is behavior, It is the active or masculine principle that actually interacts with the physical world to change it. And hence, that is the only way to actually save ourselves. The nature of a human being is that a human being is programmable. Our nature is that we can be programmed. And there's another thing, that's another thing people don't want to hear. They don't want to hear this. I'm not saying we are computers. I'm saying we're like them in the ways that we can be programmed. So what gets put into a person through the environment, which is called the culture, all right, and becomes their programming, determines what they will output onto the screen, which is called human life. And that will create the human condition in the aggregate as more and more people operate that way. All right, so let's look at how this works. Human beings are programmable much like computers. Like a computer, if a human being has a bad file system format. That's the first thing you do when you're gonna get ready to use a computer. You have to format the drive. A file system format is you gotta format the hard drive so you can prepare it for a specific operating system, which is, Basically, the task controllers is gonna control what happens on the computer, what prog- how programs get launched, how memory is used, et cetera, in a nutshell, all right? If the human being has a bad, bad file system format, right, this is akin to the operating conditions during a child's formative years, the first six years of their life, essentially. Now, think about it. We call this their formative years their format years, like a format on a hard drive, because this is what puts the file system into the human being that prepares it for its operating system, okay? So, largely what programs the child at this stage is the parents and what they will see in their immediate environment and home and during their very early years in, quote, schooling, all right? now. If, like a computer, if a human being also has bad, a bad operating system, again, they are basically providing a platform that other programs will run in, and they're providing a graphical user interface. This is your culture. The operating system is the culture in which the programs run, okay? So let's say if you have a bad operating system, meaning you're already surrounded in a bad environment, in a bad culture, Right? That's also gonna negatively impact the output. And then they have bad software programs. Now these are the programs that you run. Now if I didn't have a good presentation uh, software, piece of software, my presentation might come out sloppy, it might crash in the middle of it. it, it might not display the graphics or the text properly. Okay? So you gotta make sure you're working with good, reliable software as well. Now what the software is, is the belief systems. What the person has taken into the mind and is processed and made part of themselves. And th- now, if all of those things are bad, we have three bad components. The format is bad, the file system format, which is the formative years of the child, okay? The culture is bad, meaning they're already growing up in a bad culture or in a con- culture that condones moral relativism, et cetera, and doesn't understand natural law. And the software programs that have been input into the child are bad meaning their belief systems, okay? What do you think the output of that, quote, computer is going to be like? Is it going to be good? Is it gonna be chaotic? If I screw up my system's hard drive format, if I put an operating system that is like at alpha state and it's not ready for prime time because the development's not finished, it's half-baked, okay, and then I load crappy software that's full of bugs and the developers didn't really care about programming them correctly, Do you think that computer is going to operate properly and give me the output on the screen I'm looking for or output on the printout I'm looking for or output on the internet that I'm looking for? Good luck. (laughs) If you know a little bit about computers, you're you're laughing now because it would be ridiculous to assume that it could do that. Well, why do we think that we're going to have that in our environment when all of these things are badly programmed? See, the output onto the screen is also going to be horrible if all those three things... You know, that determine how the, the the system works are also bad. So it will continue, it will contribute to deteriorating conditions on a mass scale. Like a computer, the behavior of a human being largely depends upon its programming. And its programming is the quality of the information that is being input into it. The quality of the information it's taking in. The quality of the information it's taking in is going to determine the quality of the information it's outputting, like any other computer. So if garbage goes in, surprise, garbage is gonna come out. If good information goes in, quality goes in, quality will come out, and the output will be as one wants it to be. It will be able to process and create efficiently, effectively, not chaotically. Here's a very simple diagram. Again, if people understand it, they really get how natural law functions. And again, it's very unpopular. People don't want to look at what the bottom base foundation or platform of this structure is. Because once again, this idea that knowledge is what's required makes many people upset because they want to believe they're going to achieve these things they say they want without doing the work to acquire that knowledge and therefore understand the requirements for obtaining those conditions. So we start with available information. This constitutes potential knowledge, and it can become knowledge if it's taken in, if it's amassed, if it's aggregated, okay? It can be gathered, it can be processed, it can be understood, and then it can be acted upon. We're st- you could call this the grammar stage of this p- three-part process I'm going to explain. Okay, you could also refer to this as the input stage. If we're looking at it in a computer model, this is the stage of inputting information or programming something, okay? Now the next step that's built upon this is once you've taken information in, necessary information, you then come to a position of understanding it. You know what it means, you recognize the patterns, all right? So this is the second step in this process. Now. your understanding or lack of understanding, okay? Now, in the first stage, your knowledge or lack of knowledge is going to lead to understanding or lack of understanding. If you have understanding present, your decision-making processes are going to be in harmony with what you say you want, okay? You're gonna understand if here's what I want, this is what's necessary to get that, to make that happen, to manifest it. That's understanding. It's a decision-making process that happens within the mind. These processes take place in the human mind and are chosen by each individual based upon available information. So again, you can see if information is held back, if it is occulted, or even if it's just people are dissuaded from taking it in because people will say, no, there's nothing there, there's nothing to it. Right? You could see how they'll never get to this step. They'll never understand. They'll never get to the, the second level of creating our reality. The third stage to this process is what you do with what you have come to understand, to know and understand. So this is the action stage, okay? Each individual's behavior the behaviors that they choose through their own free will, is based upon the quality of their decision-making processes that are happening within the human mind. Okay? That process, as we've already seen, is in return based upon the quality of available information. So this is behavior. See, people don't think of wisdom as behavior. They don't think of wisdom as action. They think of it as something that you just know. No, wrong, Wisdom is not knowledge or understanding. Wisdom is action. Let me say this again. Wisdom is action. It is knowledge and understanding that has been applied. So based upon these three processes, something is generated. Something is created in the physical manifestation, physically manifested reality, the real world, so to speak. So the manifested reality is based upon the aggregate behavior. Aggregate behavior. No one person is creating the reality we are experiencing. Okay, It's another fallacy of the new age movement and thinking. In the aggregate, we are creating our shared reality. All the behaviors put together creates the output on the screen with a generated result. Is it orderly? Is it chaotic? Well, that's going to be based upon whether someone took in the information, processed it efficiently to come to an understanding, and then acted upon it. The manifested reality is the quality of the condition which manifests in any given society based upon the aggregate quality of human behavior within that society. This is how our reality is actually created the conditions that we experience as the daily events of our life. It's a simple three-stage process that leads to a result. And for many people here, you will recognize if you've looked into this discovery process and this creative process is known as the trivium. This is what the trivium is. In the ancient traditions, this is what the trivium was labeled. It was labeled knowledge, knowledge, understanding and wisdom. The Trivium methodology of truth discovery has been completely obliterated from public consciousness. Many people have never heard the word instead of the Trivium method of learning the classical liberal arts education methodology because they wanna try to sanitize that as much from human consumption as possible. They don't even want you to understand how that works at all. So you gotta look into it and understand how it works. That's all I can say about it. It is how we build our reality, either efficiently or destructively. So, let's look at what some of the principles of how natural laws work first before we can actually find out what the expressions of these laws are in our lives, which will be the next section. These are what I call the general principles of natural law. Natural law is expressed through seven basic underlying principles plus what I have referred to as an eighth or hidden principle, which you you hear very few other researchers, even people who are studying this from the occult perspective, who are studying this from the consequentialism perspective, you very hear them incorporate the eighth and all-encompassing principle, which I'll, I'll get to last here. This eighth principle, which I call the lost principle, binds all the other seven principles together, all right? These principles together constitute a master key through which universal wisdom, including the knowledge of the requirements to obtaining what we desire, is then unveiled or de-occulted. These are the seven general principles of natural law. Many people who have studied some variants of occultism may recognize these as what are known as the Hermetic Principles. Hermetic essentially comes from Hermes, Hermes Trismegistus, the thrice great one, as he was referred to in the ancient uh, Greek mystery traditions. Seven general principles. They are mentalism, correspondence, vibration, polarity, rhythm, cause and effect, which is a huge one, which we'll be getting into, and gender. So I'm going to briefly describe what each of these are and what they are about. The principle of mentalism states that the all, everything in creation, is actually a manifestation of mind. The all is mind. What this means is everything that happens has to be a result of a mental state which preceded it. Everything. For anything to exist, thoughts had to form first, and then they formed the physical reality after. The universe itself is a mental construct of the creator. Thoughts lead to the manifestation of things and events. Thoughts create conditions. Thoughts create things and conditions. They cannot just magically manifest themselves. Thought comes first. Thoughts create our state of existence and the quality of our experience here on Earth, ultimately. Therefore, we should be responsible for everything that we create by being responsible for that which we think because the thought processes are what are driving the behaviors. People behave the way they do because they have certain belief systems embedded in the mind and running like a program. Their thoughts and their emotions are driving their actions. So the behavior's not magically suddenly gonna just change. The thoughts and emotions have to change because they're the driving force behind the behavior. That's when reality will change. See, people don't want to hear that, once again. They don't want to hear, if you want to change reality, you, yourself, have to change the way you think. Because the way you think is not conducive to the requirements for getting what you say you want. They're doing the exact opposite of that in many cases. So that's the principle of mentalism. The principle of correspondence states that that which is above is similar or like to that which is below. So what this means is that which is below, uh, and that which is below is like to that which is above. It's a mirror, okay? The above is like the below, the below is like the above, all right? The above, in this case, is the macrocosm, okay? The, The laws of the very large things, okay? The laws that govern the creation which we consider is seemingly outside of ourselves. We know at the deepest level that it's not that we're one with it, but you know, we perceive this as out here, the laws that are, govern the the large aspects of things. So the macrocosm were the very large, the totality of everything, and the microcosm, which is the very small or the individuated units that comprise the whole in their aggregate, okay? They are reflections of each other. They cannot be separated from each other. As one goes, the other goes. The universe is actually a holographic system. A hologram is an image, okay, you pass a laser through it and then projects a 3D image, okay? It's like a flat image and it projects a three-dimensional image. But the aspect, why they call it a hollow, like holistic hologram, holistic image, is if you break a hologram into multiple components by cutting it. So if I take a hologram and I cut it in four pieces, you don't have a quarter of the image on one part of the hologram and a quarter on the other and a quarter on the third and a quarter on the fourth. You have four whole images that only lose their resolution by a quarter. Okay? So everything is contained in all the smaller parts. Okay? That's like the reality that we're living in. Our universe is a holographic one. So the universe is inside the individual, and the entire universe is like an individual, the reflections of each other. To know the workings of the individual will help lead us to an understanding of the macrocosmic laws. Similarly, to learn the macrocosmic laws will help us to learn the way that consciousness within the individual functions. These two things cannot be separated from each other. And once again, as I said at the near the beginning, That's what occulted knowledge is. The knowledge of the occult is how the microcosmic world works, which is the individuated consciousness, and how the macrocosmic world works, which is natural law. So, the other part of the principle of correspondence is that our reality is also fractal in nature. Now, if you studied fractals, these are self-similar mathematical generated patterns, okay? We see this through things like Fibonacci sequence, in, in mathematics, and this is repeated endlessly throughout nature, okay? So you look at you look at the um, structure of the atom, and it's similar to the structure of the solar system, which is similar to the structure of the galaxy. They work the same way, they look the same. You pull back enough, you'll keep seeing the same pattern repeat. The principle of vibration simply states that there is no such thing as rest, as dead or, or non-motion, okay? Death, in that sense, is an illusion because true death would be the cessation of all motion and energy. There is no such thing, it doesn't exist. You cannot go anywhere in creation where something is at complete rest. Everything moves, everything vibrates, and at the most fundamental level, the universe and every single thing which comprises it is ultimately pure vibratory energy that is manifesting itself in different ways, different frequencies, different vibratory forms. The universe has no true solidity as such, as we imagine solidity at the macrocosmic level. Matter is merely energy in a state of vibration. And what this is, if we truly understand this, and many sciences are now finally really understanding this and trying to propagate this knowledge out into the public, we we will come to the understanding that this is a spiritual construct for experience to be gained, To have an experience and learn and grow in consciousness—that's what the purpose of this whole thing is for. Nothing is truly solid, you know. It's—it's a—it's again, like we say, we are spirit having a human experience. The whole universe is spiritual, having a, a experience in solidity. All right, that's how you have to look at the principle of vibration. The principle of polarity states that. Everything has a dual nature to it. There are polarities in everything that exists, okay? Everything has poles, everything has its pair of opposites. However, opposites, they they are identical in nature, but they're different in degree. So let me give you an example of what that means. Are hot and cold really opposites? Or can we simply look at them as the presence of heat energy or the absence of heat energy? Meaning that they're the same thing, energy and whether it's concentrated in a specific area, which would make it hot, or whether it's absent from a specific area, which would make it cold, okay? That's what hot and cold are at the fundamental level. At our level of perception, they're opposites, but at the fundamental level, they're the same thing, energy or, it's, or lack thereof. Just like those three stages of the trivium. Are knowledge and ignorance the same thing? Yeah, actually they are, because truth is always present. It's a matter of whether it's, pre- whether it's taken in and processed or whether it's refused to be taken in and it's not processed. Extremes can meet and blend and you know play with each other like as depicted in the yin-yang symbol, masculine and feminine, they need to be blended. And at some level of reality, everything that is seemingly contradictory may be reconciled. Now again, I stress the term at some level. At the unified field level, Everything is consciousness, pure consciousness. Let's look at the principle of rhythm. Everything flows out and in. Everything has its tides. All things rise and fall. Okay, so everything has a rhythm to it or a swing to it. There's tendencies that exist in energy. The pendulum swing manifests in everything that we undergo, everything that we perceive. The measure of the swing to the right is the measure of the swing to the left. It's just an opposite. It's perceived as an opposite. Rhythm will compensate. Now, what this, how this should be understood when we are talking about natural law is many people will say, well, that's just the way the tendency is moving us. It's just the way the tide is taking us, right? But that's not really accurate, okay? We can't look at these things as that the rhythms are set in stone and it has to be this way now. Right? One of the things that a lot of the hermetic tradition taught regarding these laws, the, these principles, were they can be overcome by higher levels of consciousness, okay? This one was one of them. Rhythm is a principle that is a tendency for something to swing a certain way. It's, it's let's, let's liken it to genetics. You know, if you look at some newer biology, A lot of modern biologists are suggesting consciousness plays into whether a gene activates or not and expresses a certain condition. Well, this is the same way. There's something that can be done about the swing or the tide, okay? Let's look at it as you have a boat. You want to row the boat out to sea, right? You have to get past the tide. You have to get past the breakers and the waves. And if that tide's really strong at high tide, it's going to be very much more difficult you're going to have to expend more energy to get it out to sea if however you were taking it when the currents moving out to sea okay there, there's a, a flow that's moving outward deeper into the ocean and you start rowing that boat then you're going to be able to do it much more easily okay so if there's if there's winds pushing along a plane it's going to have to expend less energy it's going to get there qu- more quickly because it's adding to the energy. If however you're flying against the wind, you gotta expend a lot more energy. It's just a tendency. You can still get to where you want to go, you may just have to exert more effort. So that's the principle of rhythm. This is the principle here in natural law that most fits in with how I'm using the term natural law today, cause and effect. Many people, Again, in the New Age community, you don't want to believe that there's causes and effects, and that effects are driven by causes that you know come first and then manifest conditions. So the principle of cause and effect simply states that every cause has its effect and every effect has its cause. Uh, every single thing that occurs happens according to law. All right? Chance is a name for law, a law not recognized. There are many planes of causation, but nothing escapes the law. So again, is there free will? Yes, there is free will. But is there free will to ignore law without consequence? No, there is not. That's the limit of free will. Free will is operating within boundary conditions that I'm referring to as natural law. It's a series of laws, actually, okay? Free will operates within these parameters or boundary conditions that cannot be exceeded or gone beyond without consequence. Oh yeah, you can break natural law. Yes, you can break it, but you cannot break it without consequence. You cannot break it without consequence, negative consequence. And that's why this body of knowledge has in the past been referred to as consequentialism. It is the knowledge of how consequences are generated by our free-will decision-making processes within the boundaries of natural law. So this is the law of cause and effect, the principle of cause and effect. And I think this image, I was searching for images that encapsulate cause and effect, and I found this cartoon, I think it does it brilliantly. Most of all, because will the effect happen immediately? No, it will not happen immediately. There is a time lag. You set the cause into motion, the universe is going to intelligently bring to you, through a rearrangement of all the dynamics that it needs to rearrange, the effect of what you've generated by setting that cause into motion, and there is a time gap between the the cause going into place, and the effect coming around and hitting you. This is why the pattern recognition of cause and effect is more difficult, because it is separated by a time lag, by what we perceive as linear time. For some people familiar with my work, you've seen me break down the Matrix trilogy, and the law of cause and effect is brought forward extensively in the second Matrix movie, The Matrix Reloaded. And the the scene that encapsulates this the most is the, the character of the Merovingian, who tells to the heroes who want to be free from the matrix and its control, okay? You are coming to me without an understanding of why you are in this position. You don't understand the causal factors that have led to the current conditions that are in place. Therefore, you are coming to me with no power to affect change. You are powerless. So why should I help you? You're powerless because you lack knowledge and understanding of what set these events into motion. Why? The question why, he says, why is the only source of real power without why you are powerless? He's talking about cause and effect and he says it specifically. Causality, he calls the only real truth And this is the villain. The words of truth come through one of the, it's a big technique in Hollywood too. The words of truth are spoken by the villain in the movie or in the series. Everything starts with choice, and Morpheus is correct. Our choices set that causality into motion before it becomes an effect. And the Merovingian tries to tell him no, there is no free will. That's where the dark occultist will give you the bulk of truth and then poison it with that one thing he wants to get you to accept. Okay? So, the the next thing that needs to be understood is the two planes, all right? There's the plane of effects and then there's the plane of causes. No power to affect any change lies on the plane of effects, which is the physical manifested reality. Again, what already is, nothing can be done about. What already is, you cannot change. You cannot change the past. You can change what it is starting now and make sure that it gets changed in the future. But right now, what is, is the truth, and all you can do is accept that or reject it. You can't change the past. So the physical world that is manifested up to this point happened because of things that occurred in the past. The causes happened in the past. Nothing you can do about that right now. No power to affect any change lies in the world of effects. Cannot be done. You are rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic while it sinks. You're not creating any change doing those things because the underlying causes aren't changing. And the underlying causes are how we think, how we feel, and how we behave. And no one wants to look at that. They want to think all those things can stay in place and I can magically get what I want. I want to keep my hand over the fire but I don't want it to burn and blister. Well, enjoy. See, find out what you get when you do that because that's what we're doing when it comes to natural law the final principle of the seven principles of natural law at least the, the formalized ones are gender gender exists in everything, everything has its masculine and its feminine components or principles we've already seen that when it comes to the human brain consciousness, worldview, etc gender manifests on all planes of existence spiritual, mental, physical everything Okay, very simple concept. What I want to briefly talk about is mental gender. Mental gender is the state of coexistence between the masculine and feminine aspects of the mind. Our left brain hemisphere largely facilitates the masculine aspects of the mind, or the intellect, logic, analytical thought, linear thought processes, while the right brain hemisphere largely facilitates the feminine aspect, or intuition, meaning creativity, compassion, and holistic thought processes. This next section is what I call the lost principle. This is the eighth principle of natural law, which binds all of the other principles together. Okay, it is what I would call the encapsulating principle. It's the container inside which all the other principles fit very nicely and neatly. However, it's lost. Here's the eighth circle, the seed of life. Now, what happens from a seed? It grows, it generates something, it creates something. A seed has an outer casing, an outer shell, okay? Then if you're gonna to get to the inner core of it that contains all of the creative, genetic, generative material, okay, that shell has to be there and intact. You break the shell of the seed, the creative essence of the seed is gonna be gone. Now, what is that principle? Here's what that principle is. It's the eighth, or what I call the lost principle. And it's the thing that has to be present in order for any change to manifest itself. And it is not what most people think of it as. Even when I tell you what this is, I guarantee you there will be an inaccurate connotative meaning for what people think this means, okay? Here's what the eighth principle is. It is known as the generative principle or the principle which governs creation, which actually is the causal factor that goes into effect and generates the result that we say that we want. But what's the real term for it? Care. This means what are you giving attention and helping to grow? What are you focusing upon? Because what focus you're focusing upon, that's what's ultimately getting generated, getting created and growing. And this doesn't mean be ignorant of what's going on in the world and don't look at anything that's negative because you're gonna feed that and give power to it. That's not what it means, okay? That means you know what you're feeding? In that instance, if you wanna do that, you're feeding ignorance and that's what's gonna grow the exact opposite that the New Agers want you to believe that it is. By ignoring the negative, you are ensuring that more of it occurs. You are fueling it by ignorance. Ensuring that it grows and takes over, okay? What care has to be looked at here as is, this is what you're giving your energy to. This is what you're focused upon. This is what you actually care enough about to do, to spend your time on, to put your attention on, to manifest in the world. That's what I'm talking about as care. Here's how it actually operates. The Lost Principle is the dynamic of care. What we care about on a day-to-day basis acts as the driving force of our thoughts and actions. What did I say we need to develop? The heart, mind, guts, right? Heart, mind, guts, in that order. Care comes first. You gotta care enough to know, to develop the knowledge, okay? Then you gotta act on it and put it into practice. Apply it. So that's the order, heart, mind, guts. Care, knowledge, action. Those are the steps, okay? And all three of those have to be in place. All three. That's what unity consciousness is. It's unifying thoughts, emotions, and actions. The three aspects of consciousness, such that there is no contradiction between them. What we think, how we feel, and how we act are one and the same. There's no contradiction. That's unity consciousness. Therefore, okay, since it's the, care is the driver of our thoughts and actions, it ultimately can be seen as the generator of the quality of our shared experience here on the earth. Care is what generates the whole thing. Hence, it has been called the generative principle. Liken the heart to a pump in the body. Well, what does a pump do? It's a generator, it provides energy. It moves the life force through the blood in the body. In every ancient tradition, they talk about the life force being in the blood. The heart is what pumps that through the whole physiology and enables us to continue to sustain life, okay? The heart is the generator, it's the pump. It's the center of the being. As important as the brain is, which we just talked about the importance of it, the heart is ultimately what's generating the experience because what we care about determines what we think about on a daily basis most of the time and therefore how we behave, all right? So this principle has often been referred to as the generative principle. Uh, is anybody familiar with the compasses and square symbol of Freemasonry? With the G in the middle? Well, that's what the G stands for at the highest level. They'll talk about many many porch masons. These are the exoteric masons that are given the teachings of the profane and they think they're in the know, okay? They're given the, the information, well, this only means geometry, it only means God, etc. okay? One of the things they'll tell you it means at a slightly higher level is that it means gnosis, knowledge, okay, which we saw the meaning of in Greek earlier. At a higher level, at illuminated levels of Freemasonry, which are above 32nd degree, they will give you what the real meaning of the G inside the compasses and square is, and it is the generative principle. It means genesis, creation, okay? And yeah, you can tie that right back to God. I'm not saying those things are different. And the, the forms that get created in the physical manifested world are geometric forms. So it is geometry as well. It's all these things. But at the highest level, it's the generative principle. That's what that G really stands for in esoteric Freemasonry. Okay, It's called the generative principle because that means to create. It comes from, the word generative comes from Latin, the verb Genere, as we've already talked about, means to create. The generative principle is what we create through. And it's lost because people don't care. They don't have care. Hence, it's the lost principle.
2: i know deep down in my heart that i'm made for great things and i'm gonna win no matter what i do because there's evidence there i've been at the bottom when you're at the bottom you can't go nowhere but up oh, right, you know right, what i'm right, saying i want to tell you that you're worth it right there where you are everything that's in your past don't define who you are it's a new day and you can choose to do whatever you want Cause the devil is a liar With the cleverest fronts You gotta make it happen So people know what your life meant You don't wanna be 60 Wondering where your life went Homie, you gotta make a plan and then buck Cause there's nobody that's gonna hold your hand when you struggle I put my big boy clothes on Got out there and hustle. hustle. If we can't get money together Then fuck Fuck your lifestyle and everything in it If there's a bag to be gotten I'ma get it every minute ah. Everything they taught us was garbage, but what's done is done. Now it's on me to do the knowledge. It's on me. Enjoy life and get dollars. This the type of hustle they don't teach you in college. You gotta have something to live for. You gotta have something that you want. The thing that I see, people are okay with being regular. Me, I'm not okay with that. I want more for myself. I want more for my family. I want more for the people around me. If I got a roly, I want my man to have a fucking roly. I don't want to be the only one. I want I want better for everybody. But if you don't want better for yourself, I can't help. I can show you how to fish. I can't feed it to you. I visualize my goals when I set myself a proper. And I'm not willing to give up. This shit do mean a lot to me. Put down the drinking drugs. Told myself this what it's got to be. I'ma buy one more chain. And after that, more proper. And that proper. We came from nothing. It was sell drugs and big guns but that mentality is over man that shit done there's wild money out here you better get some you around four broke dudes you bound to be the fifth one burden to your family out here useless getting high all day never really do shit never. them get rich quick schemes don't really produce shit. Nope. you know what you gotta do just stop making excuses and do it now cause tomorrow never comes or down the line you gonna have to borrow from the bum and coney allen it was always sorrow in the slums put myself up on my feet now i'm the hardest where i'm from and nowadays all these artists getting crumbs. Yeah. Fuck that, sign yourself, show commitment Everybody takes the loss. just keep being consistent Let your nuts hang and talk big shit You know the vibes No deal, no nothing We living the rapper's life, you know what I'm saying? Right. When people say, yo, nims do you don't wanna sign with Why would the fuck would I, I sign? I own everything I do, I do what I want, I drop what I want I All the chains that a rapper buys when he first signs a deal The Rolexes, the houses for their moms I did all of that God by boy. myself Fuck your life
0: Bob Marley and the Wailers from the album Burning with uh, in, from 1973. That's uh, Bob Marley on vocals, Bunny Wailers back there doing his thing, and uh, Peter Tosh, you know the crew, and uh, Ashton Family Man Barrett on bass. That, that's some serious bass right there. And what that actually is, is that song is titled Midnight Ravers, and what they do, these are those old 45s, 45, the little disc vinyl. I don't know if this generation knows what that is, but back in the day, you know, they would do the 45s, and you play that 45 speed on your turntable, and it had a side A and a side B, and each side is like three minutes. So the first uh, is what they call the version uh, of the song, which is the song itself recorded with vocals and everything like that. And then on the B side, when you flip that little 45 over to the B side, You'd have, if you were lucky, and if it was a good beat, you'd have the dub. And what they do with that is they run it through the board, and they turn up the bass and turn down the treble and cut out the vocal. You know, they play with it, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's amazing. I love those old 45s, man. I, I try to play them sometimes on the podcast. You, you'll hear them if you paying close attention. But that, that regular music will talk to you, my brother. And just before that, uh, you heard Gorilla Nems out of Coney Island, Brooklyn. And the title of that track is No Fish. That That's a motivation right there. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. I like to cover topics from ancient history, great leaders and generals from the past, and I also like to talk about self-realization, truth, critical thinking, and strategic spirituality. Outside the box, nonconformist. I'm here to shatter the myths of the mainstream media and the beta sheeple narrative. My email address is alphamailbuddhist at gmail.com my website is alpha male buddhist.podbean.com my instagram is alpha male buddhist and check out my youtube channel knowledge hobo that's on youtube it is the podcast accompanied with video clips that integrate exactly with the podcast so it's motivational and inspirational i also have promotional t-shirts if you go to my website alpha male you can see the promotional t-shirts there reach out to me also if you have any show notes or any suggestions that you would like to hear on the podcast just reach out and see if i can get that done i've been getting some really great emails and feedback from my listeners which is great so i want to thank you for listening and namaste